Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That uh, with your NXT and AEW all-out ultimate preview edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right. Getting over is back. We're continuing a fantastic week of wrestling podcasting. And the main goal here on this Thursday show is to provide you with an ultimate preview to AEW's next pay-per-view all out. We're going to talk about everything that happened this past week on AEW Rampage and AEW Dynamite. Though we will be starting the show with a breakdown of NXT from Tuesday. We have a lot to talk about today. Plenty of time to discuss two very different now, these days, professional wrestling products. So I am not going to waste much time at the jump. A reminder, as always, that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So go ahead, stop messing around. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King Adam Silverstein vintage Chris Vanini and the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, please do us the favor and honor of leaving a five-star rating and a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Let people know why you love the show and why they should listen to your favorite professional wrestling podcast. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do I want you to follow us so that you can you know, hear our wrestling takes all week long, find out when new episodes drop. But I want you guys to participate in our live shows that we do exclusively on Twitter spaces. We have another one coming up this uh, Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 30 minutes before the AEW All Out buy-in. Vintage Chris Vanini and I will be previewing once again the entire card, more of a quick Twitch type of preview, you know, wrapping up things that may happen on Rampage, answering your questions, and allowing you, the listeners, to participate live in the show, both with your voice and by sending us tweets that we will answer on air. But the way you can join and listen to that show is by signing up for Twitter, if you haven't already, but following us at Getting Overcast and tuning in 6.30 p.m. Eastern to that show. Also, we will post pre- and post-show polls for every pay-per-view, including All Out, That way you get to weigh in and tell people what your expectation is for the show and what your final grade is at the end of the program. And ask anyone who follows us, if you guys tweet me during the week, I generally respond either on Twitter or on the show by reading your comments on the air. So there's every reason to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. So let me break down quickly, briefly, how this show is going to work. I'm going to kick things off with NXT. Then we're going to talk about everything that happened on AEW Dynamite that does not fit in with All Out, and then we will do the AEW All Out Ultimate Preview. Vintage Chris Vanini will be joining me for all things AEW, so he will be with us after my brief breakdown of NXT, and if you are someone uh, tuning in who is only an AEW fan, or if you're someone tuning in late in the week and you want to skip over the NXT portion and just listen to the AEW stuff, the All Out Ultimate Preview, There will be timestamps for every segment of this show in our episode description. So all you need to do is pull that up, figure out what timestamp to jump to, and listen to the entire show. But as I said, we are going to start with NXT. And the way I want to break that down is by going over the main event picture for the men and the women, and then discussing the rest of the show in order. So Samoa Joe did a sit-down interview with Wade Barrett. 
He said he expects to reestablish the importance of the NXT title and the respect that goes along with it and the men who have carried it, you know, in the past before him. He shouted out Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor, saying he hopes to carry the torch and pave the way for the brand as the first three-time champion. He then asked who was going to step up and threatened anyone who tries. I thought it was a really strong segment from Joe, and I'm just curious to see what happens now in the main event scene once all these NXT changes that we're expecting in two weeks' time go into effect. I'm also curious to find out if they change the look of the titles either sooner or later, given that, you know, it seems everything is going to be changing with this brand. Those titles, you know, I think they're great. They're not the best. They could use a refresh. So I do wonder, especially with the new logo, if they're going to be doing that in two weeks or maybe down the line eventually when a new champion is crowned for each title. Over to the women, Raquel Gonzalez fought Jesse Camia on the show. Gonzalez hit a cool twisting Vader bomb style sent on, but got caught by Camilla, who did an impressive split to avoid a move running off the ropes. She soon hung Kamea on the ropes and hit the Chingoa bomb for the easy win. Frankie Monet then stepped to the champion after the match, but nothing really happened. It seems like she's going to be the next challenger. And it's good, I think, that they're elevating her to the main event because let's be honest, she could be a main eventer on Raw or SmackDown yesterday, Frankie Monet. She's, she could be on the main roster on, a, on pay-per-views, WWE pay-per-views. So it makes total sense for he, her to be in the NXT main event. Later in the show, Kaylee Ray said in an interview that she's in the United States full-time now and doesn't care about any of the other women in NXT because she's the new top dog. She said she dominated in the UK and will dominate in the United States as well. Ember Moon came back later after not being cleared a few weeks ago. She told KLR to keep her name out of her mouth and they're going to have a match next week. So we did not get Ember Moon and Saray, but we are going to get Ember Moon and Kaylee Ray, which is going to bang. It's going to be a great match. Speaking of Saray, she fought Mandy Rose and this opened the show. Mandy clearly worked heel and did push-ups on Saray's back. She had a follow-away slam, but ended up in a submission where Saray hooked her legs and bent her over backwards to choke Mandy. Saray decapitated Rose with her basement dropkick on that bottom rope, which is just a sick-ass move. And I love that they allow Saray to get that over. And Mandy actually took a count out because Gigi Dolan and JC Jane screamed for a towel, covered her face with it, and walked her backstage. Now, I'm guessing the booking was to put over the severity and how devastating Saray's awesome dropkick is. But it was a strange finish, if we're being honest. Ultimately, it was fine. Nothing to complain about. Later in the show, Dolan and Jane attacked Saray backstage. So my guess is that's going to set up individual singles matches where she beats both of them and then eventually gets Mandy again. I do find it interesting that the finish to the match with that dropkick, it went to Mandy's face, which makes me wonder if she almost does the opposite of the dashing Cody Rhodes gimmick where, you know, she's obviously extremely, you know, beautiful Mandy um, and she's a fitness model and all that type of stuff where maybe they do an angle where she's like, hey, I don't, I don't need my looks to get by. You know, I'm going to wear a mask or not wear makeup or I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I have a feeling they may be going in that direction. That's unique and it is a little bit interesting. So I'm kind of curious to see them do that. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly fought Duke Hudson. Hudson used his power early and mocked O'Reilly's guitar playing. He broke an O'Reilly guillotine and hit an overhead belly-to-belly suplex for a near fall. O'Reilly took Hudson's leg out, hit a dragon screw over the middle rope, and finished him with a flying knee to the back of Hudson's knee, plus a knee breaker, or knee bar is really more of what it was, submission for the win. This was slow, but I think it was purposely slow. It picked up in the finish. O'Reilly needed to win, but it didn't really do much for me. 
Isla Dragunov grabbed the mic and got you deserve it chance, as well as please don't go chance from the crowd. He said he wanted fans to see that he's still alive and he wanted them to know how much it actually takes to become NXT UK champion. That was about it. It was a nice moment for Dragunov. Didn't really accomplish anything, but through four segments and 45 minutes to open NXT, there was not a single storyline that developed on the entire show. And that gave it a really slow, kind of boring opening. Now, over the ensuing 75 minutes, it picked up and it was a normal NXT show. But the first 45, to me at least, were extremely strange. Carmelo Hayes was backstage holding his guaranteed uh, championship match contract and saying he still has not decided what to do with it. Legado del Fantasma interrupted and threatened him, uh, said he shouldn't go against the North American title, go for, I should say, the North American title. Santos Escobar told him to be wise and stay out of his business or else. It was a great little backstage segment, but it was really the only storytelling we got in that first hour. Imperium fought Drake Maverick and Grayson Waller in a tag team match. Maverick tried to calm Waller's excitement backstage, and he was basically playing the opposite role that he did in the tag team with Killian Dane. I found that interesting. Waller tagged himself in, and Maverick got pissed off at him. Maverick then got run into the scaffolding outside, and Imperium hit the Imperial Bomb for the expected win. Uh, Yeah, like I said, the dynamic between Maverick and Waller, it was entertaining, but this match, it just kind of existed without developing anything, you know, for the future. Uh, Johnny Gargano fought LA Knight in a singles match. Gargano got annoyed that Dexter Loomis snuck up behind him backstage before Index joined him at ringside. Loomis tried to do Austin Theory's uh, half of like the high five with Gargano during the entrance and Johnny shook his head. Knight hit a slingshot shoulder and Gargano later dodged a slingshot splash and came back with a slingshot spear for a near fall. Yes, all of those were slingshot moves. Gargano countered two BFDs, but Knight got out of the Gargano escape and countered one final beat with a punch. Loomis caught Gargano falling off the ring apron, and he helped him avoid Knight's attack. Indy Hartwell then convinced Gargano to give Loomis a high five through the ropes for really no reason, Uh, but Knight caught him with the BFD and got the win. So the finish was relatively stupid. We know that. But given the way is a comedy faction, in this case, I think I can let it slide, right? Like Loomis also realized he screwed up in the moment and he communicated that with his eyes. Like, oh my God, I, I, I botched this. I, you know, I, I fucked up, which was cool to show that he had more personality besides just being cold and, and calculated. Uh, Knight looks like he may well be Samoa Joe's first or second title contender. So him winning this makes sense. I thought this was the best match on the show. I went 3.5 stars in a B. Entertaining, good look for LA Knight, and Gargano, of course, really can't do wrong in the ring. Uh, Mei Ying will make her in-ring debut next week on NXT. It's going to be interesting to see what the hell that looks like. And as I've said before, Tian Shaw, it started hot and unique, but it's really been on a downward trend recently. Maybe this saves it, maybe it doesn't. Roderick Strong fought Ikemen Jiro. Uh, Diamond Mine now officially includes, as we suspected last week, the Creed brothers. Jiro, before the match, said Kushida was his idol, and he wants to make Strong pay. Jiro got some really fun offense and used his jacket a bunch while punching Strong. Eventually, Strong hit two backbreakers for the win and trash-talked Kushida off mic. It was nice that Jiro got a chance to shine. I'm not sure the Casper brothers have the right look yet as the Creed's, but them being part of the Diamond Mine faction, given their amateur wrestling background, 
obviously makes complete sense, especially with Tyler Russ no longer being there. Though I am interested to find out if they were going to be part of it anyway, because there were talks that the faction was going to expand, you know, before all of those cuts that we recently talked about. Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro told Io Shirai and Zoe Stark that they're best friends and a real team, which is why they will win the women's tag team titles next week. Stark said she's committed to making their teamwork, and Shirai said she didn't like any of them before immediately leaving. Shirai basically did uh, the move from half-baked, the F you, F you, F you, you're cool, F you, I'm out. Like that was basically what the segment was. And I thought that was really funny. I love this character that Io Shirai is playing. And I'm actually more excited for this match than the other title contest that we're going to get next week, which we will talk about in a moment. Uh, Cameron Grimes was dressed in his old suit when the Grizzled Young Veterans called him a redneck and joked that he only had a toy championship to show for all of his hard work. Grimes took it from them and dropped the title on Zach Gibson's foot and threw some cash at him. It was a great little backstage segment, but considering Grimes is solo and the veterans are a team, I don't really know what this does. Does he fight them individually? Does he find a tag team partner? Does he pay someone to be his tag team partner? I'm not exactly sure if that even develops into anything. It may have just been a fun backstage segment. So we're going to have to find out. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa then fought Ridge Holland in the main event of the show. Ciampa screamed that Timothy Thatcher losing is just shit happening, but Thatcher being taken out with an injury makes it personal. The faction later cut promos on MSK and Ciampa, saying they will put them in the hospital. MSK later in the show asked William Regal to set a tag team title match next week with Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, and Regal agreed. So we're going to have two tag team title matches on next week's show. This was the main event, and it was uh, a fun strong style type of match with the guys beating the hell out of each other. Holland hit a powerful Alabama slam and the referee gave Champa a moment to recover in the ring. Champa came back with an air raid crash for a near fall, delivered a ton of knees with Holland draped over the ropes and added Willow's bell for the clean one, two, three. The rest of the faction attacked, but MSK ran down to make the save. So NXT as a whole was not the best show, but this was a pretty perfect main event. I was a bit surprised that Champa beat Holland but it was definitely the right booking because Champa has been involved in too many recent losses, especially alongside Thatcher. Where they both go from here, I have no idea. That remains to be seen. But a Champa versus Pete Dunn match would be a great setup with one of them maybe eventually becoming the number one contender to Samoa Joe's title. I have a feeling what they're going to do is have Knight as an in-between challenger for Samoa Joe and then use Dunn as the guy who eventually takes the title off Joe. Not sure of it. Obviously, things could change soon, but that is at least where my mind is going right now. As I said, the first 45 minutes of NXT really left a lot to be desired. The action did pick up significantly over the rest of the show. Next week's episode, it is pretty stacked. It includes the two tag team title matches we mentioned, Kaylee Ray versus Ember Moon and Carmelo Hayes versus Santos Escobar. That is a much, much stronger card than this week, and it should significantly deliver by comparison. It's also the final taped episode of NXT and perhaps the last one with this black and gold theme. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out next week, especially with the tag team titles, two title matches, whether they change or not, given there's supposed to be some expected adjustments in two weeks time. There was another report about NXT that came out Wednesday, but it happened to come from someone I'm not going to name who I view to basically have zero credibility in terms of reporting wrestling news. 
So I won't get into the details of it because I don't necessarily think it's exactly true. But as I've said for a month now, I will be angry at changes that are made to NXT if the changes made to NXT are bad. I'm not going to be mad at change for the sake of change. And again, as we've talked about numerous times, fans have kind of come out and said for you know months ago, oh, I wish NXT was back to the NXT we got in 2005 when it was on the WWE Network. Sorry, I mean 2015, not 2005. But anyway, fans had been saying that for months. Now the reports, the early reports, is that's what NXT is going back to. And I think you've seen it over the last two weeks. There's been a lot of singles matches featuring one veteran against one younger opponent. That's what NXT used to be. You used to get two of those on a TV show, a good main event, and a couple backstage storylines in an hour. And that NXT was not as good as the NXT that we've gotten since it moved to USA Network. Now, that said, that NXT was not bad either, but it wasn't as good as the product we've been getting. So if we end up going back to that with NXT, then all these fans who said that's what they wanted, they better not shit on it because that would be WWE giving them exactly what they wanted. Personally, I never wanted that. If we go back to it, I'll be disappointed, but I'll probably still think the show is good because that NXT I liked, I just didn't like it as much as the one we've gotten recently. Now, if NXT becomes a main roster product, if it becomes produced the same way that you know Raw and SmackDown are, but particularly the way Raw is, I mean, that's obviously going to be terrible. So we're not going to be able to make judgments on this shit until we see it. And as I said, with new play-by-play men and changes that AEW made and all this type of stuff, you sometimes can't even judge it on one week. Sometimes you have to give it two, three, four weeks, a couple of months to see what happens. So we will have a full, deep conversation about the future of NXT when we see what the future of NXT looks like. But for now, we're going to judge the show, you know, based on what we're getting. This week, good episode, especially the second half. Next week looks like a great episode. Very excited for that. So with that, let me bring in vintage Chris Vanini. We're going to be talking AEW Dynamite and AEW All Out. Uh, Chris, off the top, you know, before we get into everything, I kind of wanted to read a, a tweet, a DM slide from JMags, JMags316, that I think encapsulates what we thought about Dynamite on Wednesday night, the go-home show, to All Out, and really the build as a whole. He's like, hey, look, maybe for the go-home show, you shouldn't just try to squeeze everyone on your over-bloated roster onto television. This episode is raw levels of bad IMO. Now, I disagree with that last sentence. That was not raw levels of bad. There were multiple good matches, and most things on the show made sense. And, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, which most raw episodes are terrible. So that's not true. But I do think that this was a extremely weak go-home show. I thought that AEW kind of stubbed its toe in a number of spots where they started doing something and it was really good, but then they just kept going unnecessarily. And I also think the build for All Out, top to bottom, Chris, it hasn't really been that good. I think there's one match on the show that I am really, really looking for. I'm sorry, let me let me immediately change that. There's two matches on the show I'm, a, I'm massively looking forward to. One of them has a great build, truly great build. The other one includes CM Punk, who's wrestling his first match in seven years. The rest of the card, I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be a really good show. 
but I'm not excited about watching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and we'll get into the full card here in a minute, but this dynamite was a mess. I, I, I mean, it for it to be your 100th episode and a go home, like everything was just so disjointed. There was just like it's it's not raw bad because raw uh, too many times on raw nothing happens or the same thing happens again. The problem with dynamite is that too much happens, and when too much <laughs> happens. True. When too much happens, none of it has an impact. For example, there were five different run and rescues in this episode. Sting and Darby, Jurassic Express, The Gun Club, Anna Jay and Christian in a two hour show. Like when everybody's getting a rescue save at the end of a beatdown, like they don't mean anything. So that was that was kind of my reaction to the episode. It it, it didn't really build to all out and it was kind of surprising. Yeah, I think you make a good point. If everything's a run and save, if everything features 10 different men, I mean, there are benefits, massive benefits to having factions. And we we love factions here. I freaking love factions. But in AEW, there's like, I don't know, two. Well, no, no, there's like 15 of them, but there's like two I care about. Yeah. Most of them don't have reasons for existing other than finding something for people to do. And I respect that AEW finds things for people to do. I do Mm -hmm. because WWE does not do that. And it's the exact opposite. But the problem is there's too many people. They're trying to find things for them to do. And when you try to do that on a go home show, it's just an overload. If you do it on dark or dark elevation, or you use some of Rampage's time for that, or you do it on a dynamite that's not a go-home show to one of your four pay-per-views of the entire year, one which has a number of matches that need to get built up because they actually haven't been built well over the last four to eight weeks, then, yeah, you have too many people and you're trying to do too many things on a two-hour show. So that was kind of my take uh, coming out of Dynamite. But Chris, let's do this. You know, we got a lot to talk about. Let's talk about everything that happened on Dynamite that does not have a direct impact on All Out. And then as we always do here on the podcast, we'll break down AEW All Out Ultimate Preview style by discussing everything that happened on Rampage and Dynamite within each match. We'll give our predictions, our expectation grade for the entire show, and we'll do it, like I said, Ultimate Preview style. So let's start off with the opening match of Dynamite, FTR against Santana and Ortiz. It started technical, quickly became hard hitting with PNP hitting uh, double topes and a really cool cannonball into the barricade outside. And later, a big frog splash also for a near fall. Dax Hardwood caught uh, Ortiz with a brain buster and Cash Wheeler hit him with the gory special, both for 2.5 counts. There was a bunch of unusual sloppiness, I think is the way to put it, from these teams. FTR did hit the big rig, but a splash broke the fall. Santana and Ortiz then combined for a ton of their signature moves and a double team flip face buster to pin Wheeler and get the win. The reason I love FTR matches beyond the fact that they're a great tag team, is they force AEW to follow tag team rules. It's literally a storyline of them signing with the company that you have to use the ropes and you have to actually tag in and out. And it just, it's such a juxtaposition to the rest of the tag team division, which is largely spot fest and utter nonsense, where when you have an FTR match, you know you're gonna sit down and get some really good tag team wrestling. This went exactly as it should have gone, Santana and Ortiz are my pick to be the next champions. I think they're going to win the titles at that Arthur Ashe show in Queens. 
So I'm really glad to see they won here. And at least my prediction is still alive that that's possible. I presume that the sloppiness was due to Wheeler's ring rust and, and Dax not wrestling with him or wrestling much at all. The finish was a bit anticlimactic, but it was a really good match. I went 3.75 stars and a B plus for this. Yeah, B, B plus sounds good. It was a good match. It, it it had lost a little luster because you went a couple weeks without them because I forgot which one it was. Whoever got hurt. And Cash. The, 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 yeah, Cash got hurt and was cut and bleeding for a while. They had some good videos in recent weeks to kind of keep it going, but it, it had kind of, you, you kind of had to wait a little bit for it. Um, but no, this was a good match. And, and FTR, and, and there are other people on the AEW roster who have that WWE experience. It You can tell and it, it matters to bring some of that stuff over. So there's some sense of order to everything. I know it's, again, it's part of the gimmick and everything, but but again, a lot of this show, and sometimes a lot of AEW just kind of feels chaotic at times, and I think it's good to have people who kind of bring order. That's what FTR do. Love Santana and Ortiz. I agree with you. I think they're going to win the tag titles at the, the Arthur Ashe show, although you know, who they win it off of, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. Um, uh, so yeah, th- this was a, a, a good Way to start the show. AEW loves to start with a banger tag team match, and that's exactly what they did. There is something to be said, and you make a good point about WWE people coming into AEW. It doesn't mean they're the best wrestlers in the company, but there is clearly a polish that they have that a lot of talent in AEW does not yet. I'm not saying they won't ever have it, but they don't yet. You look at the way um, FTR works a match, and then you look at the way... Even Santana and Ortiz do, although they are very, very experienced. But I don't know, like J- Jurassic Express is a really good example. Like they they never slow down. They never allow mm. things to get sold and for the crowd to really build up anticipation. FTR does. They know how to pull those strings. And I do think there are some benefits to wrestling in WWE. It does polish you for the big stage. Now, I'm not saying every talent needs to be like that. But it is noticeable in a match like this when you have an FTR and you have a really talented team like Santana and Ortiz that, yes, it slows things down and it really just it brings out a really good match in both teams. I loved it. I thought it was easily the best match of the show. Uh, Brian Cage fought powerhouse Hobbs. Cage attacked Hobbs during his entrance. It doesn't happen often, but <laughs> credit where it's due because AEW gave us big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> So what I want to see, we got it on Dynamite. Hook distracted the referee as Cage was about to hit the F10, allowing Ricky Starks to hit Cage with a title and Hobbs to deliver a sit-down power slam style move for the win. The belt shot was pretty weak, uh, but I like the booking because I guess it subverted expectations of Cage just mowing down Team Taz one by one on his way to Starks. Yeah, my, my, my biggest issue with this Team Taz stuff for a while has been Cage is not a face like he's the big crazy muscular dude and Starks is the little guy and I know Starks is a good heel in general but Starks is the tiny guy he's he's the face in this and that was kind of the the case in their match when 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 Starks got the FTW title this case was different powerhouse Hobbs they're two guys equal size and the crowd actually did get behind Cage a bit because he was able to show off his physical impressive feats and they were impressive because they were against a guy like like Hobbs when he does the, the lifting suplex over the ropes into the ring. Um, so this was this was good. It, it, it was I haven't been a big fan of the team Taz stuff for a bit, but this is probably maybe one of the best uh, segments in a while. We just didn't get I wanted more meat slapping, right? I wanted yeah. beef kind of flying around that damn ring. 
And I don't know that we got it. I mean, there was a lot of beef out there. There's a lot of beef out here. But it just, it wasn't out there long enough for my taste. I would have loved to have seen another five it, minutes. And, and you would have loved for AEW to, to, to hype that up, that aspect up, because you don't get it in AEW very much. Like, like this should have been presented as a clash of the titans, not just two more guys who are feeding and they're having another match. I, All I they need they to say to us, Chris, is look, don't worry about the shirt. Just worry about the beef inside the shirt. Don't worry about the shirt. Worry about the meat inside the shirt. All right, the meat inside the shirt. I botched it. You get my point. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, Malachi Black told Lee Johnson in a promo that he took mercy on Brock Anderson, but he won't get the same benefit and instead will be taken out with coins put on his eyeballs so he can pay the toll in Hades. It was a typical Black promo. The match is happening on Rampage. I love Malachi Black. Don't really care about the match. Yep, same thing. I I, I like the promo. I just didn't, I don't care about Lee Johnson like at <laughs> yeah. all. And I didn't like care about Brock zero. Anderson. I, I cared about Brock Anderson more because at least he was Arn Anderson's son. There was like a story <laughs> to be told. Lee Johnson is a dude. I don't, I don't get why Malachi Black's so pissed at him. I like the line Malachi Black said when he said, you didn't chase me out of the ring. I chose to leave the ring. It's like a little thing that like, I think, I think helps kind of protect himself a little bit. Uh, but other than that, all right, sure. So that's it. That's what happened on Dynamite um, and Rampage for that matter. Everything on Rampage had to do with All Out, which was good. Uh, so we're done with that. Let's move on to what I would consider the main event of this show, the AEW All Out Ultimate Preview. Let's get Howard in here for good measure. That's all. All right. So uh, before we break down this card quick, there was a change to the card. Uh, the much anticipated for me, and I've talked about it on the show for weeks, Pack versus Andrade El Idolo match is off. It was originally scheduled for All Out. And maybe the match I was looking forward to second most behind CM Punk and Darby Allen. Tony Khan announced on Wednesday on Twitter that due to travel issues, it was off the show and we would be put on a future rampage uh, at a later date. So incredibly disappointing. There's nothing you can really do about it during COVID-19. The Delta variant, everyone needs to be safe. Travel restrictions exist. Uh, Pack. They probably shouldn't have booked the match with him. Let's just be honest. Like every time they've tried to do something semi-long-term with him, it hasn't worked out. So they probably should have put Andrade against someone else. I don't know what's going to happen. It seems like based on them moving the buy-in match to the main card and creating a new buy-in match, that that's it. That Andrade is not going to have an opponent on the show. If it was me, I was booking the damn territory. I would have found someone for Andrade to fight. That's what I would have done. Yep, it, it, you, that's the whole point of having Andrade. Like, like he hasn't done anything since he got to AEW. This is your one of four pay per views. Find something for him to do. You got a million guys on the roster. Yeah, I just figured out. Like, set up a backstage storyline on Dynamite, pay it off on Rampage, put the match on the pay per view. You got a whole extra show. Why not do that? So, a yep. little bit disappointing for me. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to couch it. A lot of bit disappointing. I really was looking forward to this match. Sucks that it's not going to be on the card. Now, the replacement match, we'll talk about how that happened. On Dynamite, Orange Cassidy fought Jack Evans. Candidly, I don't fully pay attention during the picture-in-picture commercial breaks. I don't care what show it is. NXT, um, AEW Dynamite, even when they used to do it. Uh, I think occasionally they did it for SmackDown on Fox. I just don't really pay attention because it's in a little box, and generally nothing of consequence happens. But... 
Orange Cassidy won the match during this commercial break with an inside cradle. Luckily, they showed the replay. Then he got attacked by Matt Hardy and saved by best friends before the entire HFO attacked. A Jurassic Express finally made the second save. So it was obvious that this was a quick twitch angle to add a replacement match on All Out. But man, I am really tired of best friends fighting HFO. It's been happening forever. There will be a lot of high-flying talent in this match. It's Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler, Utah, and Jurassic Express against the entire HFO. So it's going to be a fun buy-in match. But at the same time, I don't really care about it in any meaningful way. No, this is this is a pre-show match. And so it's the definition. It makes one, sense yeah. for it to do it. Honestly, I did not realize HFO included all these people. Uh, yes. I think this might be the first time we saw them all together. But this is what we're it's talking like, about. It's a faction yes, that like doesn't right. matter, right? This is a faction that's literally just a, a, a bunch of guys mashed together to have something to do. I mean, private party, man, you go back to pre-COVID when they beat the Young Bucks and they were on the rise. <laughs> I know. Man, they've just kind of been floundering since then. I don't. It's hard to find. It's hard to build momentum in AEW because you're typically not on every week. And I think that's an example of just the issue of having the largest roster. It's easy to forget, guys, because we don't see them all the time. So, yeah. So the, the match ending in a picture-in-picture, picture, uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported that that was done on purpose, um, which is fine. I, I remember one time, I think it was a Kofi Kingston-Miz match back in the day when WWE yes. made you go to the app to watch to watch commercial break matches, which was honestly kind of a cool idea or a smart idea. It didn't last very long, but I remember they had one match end on the app one time, and the idea was you have to pay attention. Do I think anybody's going to really pay attention more after this? No, but again, this match didn't really matter. What really mattered was the beatdown, so I get why they did what they did. And I have the faces winning this for a prediction. What about you? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Same. I think it's a spot where Jungle Boy wins and they get to do the chant and everyone's really happy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Also, it, it, the, the, the hand waving seems to be getting more and more kind of going with the Jurassic Park entrance. Those guys are really over. They got to lean into that whole thing and the arm waving and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And they're popular and they're good. They're an exciting team. So I like them. Uh, now, mo- originally the buy-in match moved to the main card is the Women's Casino Battle Royal. So we'll talk about what happened on Rampage, then Dynamite, then we'll talk about the match. On Rampage, Ty Conti faced the Bunny. The Bunny attacked before the bell. The crowd was basically silent the entire match. Conti had a couple swinging moves like a boss man slam and completely missed a pump kick before hitting two more. Penelope Ford walked down at the end as she hit the Ty KO. Blade handed Bunny brass knuckles and she hit an uppercut on Conti and got the win. This was a four-minute match and... I'm just being honest. It was absolute shit. I'm glad the women got to be on Rampage, but it was total, absolute garbage. Zero. Did you have any thoughts on this? No. Okay. Then on Dynamite, Conti fought Ford in a singles match. This was in the normal spot, long commercial break, blah, blah, blah. Conti did a few, few cool moves for a near fall. Ford countered a DD tie into a gut buster, but Conti eventually rolled her up and folded her over for the win. Conti then got attacked by both women, only to be saved by a returning Anna Jay. All four of them will be in the Battle Royal. Backstage, Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill also attacked Thunder Rosa. They're all in the match too. This was the match. The Conti-Ford match was a million times better than the one we got on Rampage, but it was nothing special. I think there was a This Is Awesome chant from the crowd. I don't know why they were chanting that. Again, it wasn't bad by any means. It wasn't awesome. Um, well, it, it was so rare. It's so rare to see a women's match go that long. It kind of <laughs> yeah, stuck, I guess. Stuck out for that reason. 
it was weird. Um, so as far as the, the pay-per-view goes, I'll just kind of throw this all together. You know, I think it's pretty obvious based on Twitter promos that there's going to be a debut in AEW for this match. The expectation is that it's the former Ruby Riot, aka Ruby Soho. Therefore, my expectation is she wins this match. I don't think it makes any sense to have Nyla win it, Cargill win it, Rosa win it, considering it'd be a rematch with Baker. Any of the four women we just talked about, Conti, the Bunny, Ford, etc. So none of those women, I think, should win. If it's someone who has not been promoted for the match, it would make no sense for them to win unless it's someone debuting. We've seen people that debut win these matches before. So I'm picking Ruby Soho. I could be wrong. She may not even show up. That's my pick. It's uh, it's not a bad pick. I mean, honestly, the, the state of the women's division makes it feel like so many people could be potential winners here. Um, Thunder Rosa, maybe. Do they do they run that back? Um, Red Velvet's kind of gotten a push here. Oh, she's so uh, bad. I, I know. I'm just she's got a push. Um, Jade Cargill. It's kind of guess it's heel versus heel, but th- there's there's a lot of options. It, if Ruby Riot is a surprise. That's my pick too, but I think it would also highlight the problem with they have so many women and so little time for any of them. Um, well, they, no, they they have the time for them. They don't give them the time. Well, I mean, they don't have enough time for everybody. Um, <laughs> right, it's the larger problem. But uh, oh, I'm gonna. This is tough. This is like again, nobody stand. If it's Ruby Riot, I think it's going to be Ruby Riot, but. If it's not, if I have to pick, uh, if I pick out of everybody else, I'll go Thunder Rosa. Okay. I personally think, even though her becoming number one contender doesn't mean they have to fight right away, you know, to be fair, I think you want to save that match for the next pay-per-view. Yeah. If you're going to do mean, my, that. Yeah. My other thought was either Jade Cargill or uh, Tay Conti, who's gotten a bit of a pusher, but. Yeah, I think Conti's a possibility. Yeah. I think I think Conti's more likely than Rosa. But I do think Soho, Ruby Soho is going to be the one. That's yeah. that's where I'll say. Uh, okay, so staying with the low card, Paul White versus QT Marshall is on this show. On Dynamite, Marshall called White out while in the ring. Uh, no pun intended with White out right there. Uh, while he was in the ring with the factory, White took them all out in 30 seconds. Then the gun club ran down. And the entire crowd was silent. I mean, they ran down and cleared the ring after the ring was no, already cleared. I was going to say, yeah, that, they were silent because there was nothing to clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing happened. So then it's dragging on, the camera's staying on them, nothing's happening. At Billy Gunn ends up getting a chair because QT Marshall tried to come into the ring four on one with a chair. Billy grabs it and hits White in the hip and then over the head with a steel chair in a heel turn for the family. QT looked legitimately shocked, like it was unplanned. Then the factory held White down so QT could hit the diamond cutter to end the segment. I cannot stress how poorly booked this entire thing was. I also cannot believe it's on Dynamite every week with a match at All Out. Every single QT Marshall segment is worse than the prior QT Marshall segment. Zero point zero. It's got about as much chance of getting over as Orange Cassidy. I'm bored, brother. Now, 
maybe like somehow these chair shots pull white from the card and there's a replacement and it's exciting. Okay, maybe. If it's not that and this match happens as scheduled, I can't, t- I have negative interest in this match. <laughs> Paul White wins. I mean, I guess QT Marshall could win, but if QT Marshall wins, it's even worse than Paul White winning. I, I don't care. I don't understand the point of this whole feud and this whole match. Why is, is it on a pay-per-view? It, I, is I don't QT Marshall, is Q, I, QT Marshall? I mean, like, is that someone they're trying to get over? Like, if you're going to have Big Show Paul White wrestle, have him just put over some young guy. Have him wrestle Cage and let Cage look super strong and, you know, do a couple things for five minutes and, and that's it. I I don't, I just don't, of everything on this card, of everything AW stands for, I'm so confused by this <laughs> it makes whole no thing sense. happening. Uh, as for the Gun Club, Billy Gunn looks great, by the way. Still looks amazing. And, and beast, I like man. the gun. I like the gun. I like the gun club as an idea. And I actually I actually watched Dark and Dark Elevation this week. I just put them on YouTube on my TV and just kind of had it play in the background. And it was nice to just have some like wrestling background, even stuff that wasn't important. But I think the gun club could be interesting, but we don't know. These guys are rarely ever on Dynamite. We don't know what this heel turn is about or is supposed to be about. Probably won't mean anything. We may not find out. Unless you watch Dark, it's just like random and this whole feud doesn't make any sense. And they were faces the entire pandemic screaming at ringside cheering. Like they were huge faces and, and fans loved them just because it was so funny the way they cheered. Well, that, that That's why the heel turn is supposed to mean something. But, I guess. I mean. I, but is this going to lead to some payoff where we where they're featured on Dynamite? I don't think so. Look, I, I know that people get mad like when anyone criticizes AEW because they think it's a perfect product and a perfect show and whatever but i gotta be honest like we're gonna we're gonna get to good stuff coming up right there's plenty of good stuff to talk about on this card but man some of this shit should not be on this pay-per-view this is what this is what i'm saying by this is what i said at the beginning where aw just is too much stuff yeah. like just focus in on the really good stuff you got and promote the hell out of that and build stories off of that it's 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 just like I, but even the even the hardcore AW people do not care about QT Marshall. No, some do. Stuff. Some seem to like think it's good. I, I just think it's that's them like suspending I reality. I, I think most people don't. I think most people don't understand this at all. Okay, I hope not. I mean, because it's it's shit. Let's just be honest. It's fucking garbage. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on. So John Moxley against Satoshi uh, Kojima. So on Dynamite, they gave us like I don't know a, a thirty second, maybe one minute video package for this match that didn't move the needle or add anything. And to me, given this guy has never been on AEW and even people who are new Japan wrestling fans, modern new Japan wrestling fans uh, that, you know, not necessarily grew up, but started watching in the Okada Omega era and have started watching from then till now, people like me, basically, they're not familiar with this guy. So they gave a little bit of information about him. And I know they have the countdown to AEW All Out or Road to AEW All Out show that they're going to air Friday night at 11 p.m. after Rampage. And I'm sure they'll have another package for that, for this match on that. But I know I know that a match with John Moxley doesn't necessarily need more build than a match with John Moxley, but this is a dynamite match to me. I don't see how this is a pay-per-view match. And it just doesn't make sense for it to be on the card other than maybe it's going to be good and entertaining. But I think this guy's like 50 years old. And again, no ageism here. But I mean, we're talking about how AEW, you know, is the land of the young up and coming rising prospects. 
And the average age of this AEW All Out card is basically equal to the average age at SummerSlam. I'm not exaggerating. It's almost identical. And it's because of Kojima and Paul White and, you know, Christian being on the show. And Christian's okay. That's different. Um, just like Edge is different for WWE. That's that's acceptable. But I don't have any reason to care about this. John Moxley's going to win. I hope it's good. And that's it. I'm just disappointed that they didn't spend more time making me feel like this is an important pay-per-view match. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with with uh, Kojima at all. I, I don't. I, I know the the top guys at New Japan, but that's basically it. And Moxley's trying to sell me on it. And you're it's, closer it, to the average AEW fan, I think. In that uh, regard, probably. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, it, so it's it's kind of whatever. It's it's not the most important match on the card. It's far from it. So it's just kind of it's it's just kind of random. And I guess my thoughts are. We'll see. Maybe it'll be good. I mean, people love Moxley. They'll pop big for Moxley, and I'm sure he'll win, and and we'll get that. And uh, it is what it is. Also, hey, wait, we didn't make picks for Paul White versus uh, QT Marshall. I think Who's I did. I said White's winning. I don't care. Okay, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going with I'm going with White as well. Just okay. want to check on and that. And Moxley's and winning both, this. And we're both picking Moxley here, yep. I do think, by the way, and look, they could subvert expectations and some surprise us in some ways. I do think every single match on this card is completely predictable. I will say that. I, I I don't think that there's going to necessarily be any surprise outcomes on the show. I don't think there's going to be any title changes. I'm just kind of, you know, giving it away right up front here. Um, and because we're going to get into all the title matches right now. But sometimes predictable things are good. And I don't think that there's any problem if all of the people we think are going to win, win. And maybe you're going to disagree with me as we keep going. But to this point, obviously, we're aligned. So let's see if mm-hmm. that continues. Uh, the TNT Championship match, Miro against Eddie Kingston. I'm going to do this all together. You can give your take first. Uh, Rampage, Miro beat up Fuego de Sol from the second he was introduced. Then he ripped off his mask and hit a thrust kick. Kingston came out wearing a really sick DMX shirt, and they brawled for like a second before being separated. As I've said, there's zero storyline reason for Miro-Kingston happening. Kingston's a good challenger, but this kind of segment on Rampage was just nonsensical. On Dynamite, Kingston told Miro he was going to go after his neck and he was ready to put him through hell. Miro said he only stays down for his wife in a hotel after a win, which is an incredible line, of course. That's really funny. (laughs) Lana actually tweeted during the show that her 90-day clause is up. So I wouldn't be surprised, maybe, if Lana C.J. Perry walks Miro out at All Out. I could see that definitely as a possibility. Um, They got a grand total of 30 seconds to build their match with again taped promos on the go-home show. I'm excited for the match. I don't want anyone to get me wrong. Miro versus Kingston should be a banger. It's big, meaty men slapping meat. No question. But as I've said for weeks, there's just no storyline behind it. All of Miro's promos are incredibly repetitive. They're almost all taped. None of them are live with him in attendance in front of fans. And I'm just bored by the entire thing. I think Miro wins and retains the title. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for the match. I, I, I love these two guys. It's just they're not getting any time to do anything. I, I mean, the bit where Miro pulls off Fuego del Sol's mask, like I got it, like that was a really heel move, but it all happened in like ten seconds. Like he just dragged him out to the ring and ripped the mask off, and then Kingston's out there. It was like he didn't like. Like have him cut a heel pro like a long heel promo about a gradius and then say he's gonna do that like build up to ripping the mask off. You just did it right away and so it didn't have as much meaning. And 
I generally we kind of see in AEW that just like all faces will run out to save all faces and heels will generally kind of do the same. So I guess that's why Kingston's out here helping Fuego. And Fuego, a guy who you don't know much about unless you watch Sammy Guevara's blog or you know Dark and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and they they announced that for Rampage we're going to hear from Miro again, and I assume it's going to be another. I assume it's going to be another backstage promo. Like I almost want to make a bet on it. Like if it's not a backstage promo, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll watch Star Wars or something. But I don't want to risk that, <laughs> even though I know it's going to be a backstage. Yeah, promo. like these dudes, these two dudes, Miro and Kingston are great on the mic. Like how have we not had them face to face, just kind of in the ring? doing a WWE style back and forth promo. It'd be great stuff. And I just need a um, reason for this happening. Like Miro called out Kingston for no reason. He's like, Eddie Kingston, I want you to challenge next for the title. It's like, why? Like, 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 well, so you could, the story can just be Kingston's sick of Miro beating on little, beating sure, on yes, guys that's that were fine. small then fight someone your own size. Like, let's just do that. But they Kingston didn't do that. Us, <laughs> right. That's, I think that's what they're trying to tell. Kingston just hasn't really had a chance to really, tell that and articulate the whole yeah. fuego thing is yeah so you know this could have had a great build i think the match is going to be great i love these guys just like give me give me some meat on the bone so what's your pick pick is miro okay let's move on to the tag. Who did, wait who did you pick i missed that. i picked miro as well we're, we're okay, completely yeah. aligned uh tag team title match the young bucks defending against the lucha bros inside a steel cage now me saying that gives away the result of the Rampage Tag Team Eliminator final match, which was Jurassic Express against the Lucha Bros. AEW showed Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo like 10 different times in the crowd during the match. Luchasaurus yeah, threw... It's Giannis, though. No, no, no. Like, I'm, gonna, I, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on it. I'm just explaining. Okay. I'm, I'm breaking down the match like I always do. Uh, Luchasaurus threw Phoenix into Pentagon and hit a standing moonsault. Phoenix hit a frog splash for a near fall. And Jungle Boy hit a poison runner for one also. Penta broke a snare trap following a Tiger driver, then hit Made in Japan for a near fall. There was a delayed and staged, but extremely impressive Huracurana off the ropes by Phoenix. Uh, Jungle Boy then ate a Canadian destroyer by Penta on the ring apron, and Luchasaurus kicked out at one after a destroyer by Phoenix inside. Finally, the Lucha Bros combined for a pile driver on Luchasaurus for the win. This was an extremely exciting match. Uh, it took the first 15 minutes of Rampage. I actually... Wish it went a little bit slower and lasted a little bit longer. That's how good it was. We knew the Lucha Bros would win. I, at some point, thought Giannis was part of the match, given how much we saw him. But yes, Chris, it's freaking Giannis. It's like one of the two biggest stars in the NBA. AEW finally got like a really super notable celebrity at one of its shows and wanted to show him off. I cannot blame them for that at all. I wish this was less of a spot fest. But the spots we got were impressive. I went with four stars and an A minus. I really, really like this match. Yeah, same grade. And and that Giannis was on being the elite as well for. I mean, not on the show, but just kind of in the clips of him. Yeah. Talk to him. Yeah, yeah. So no, yeah. I mean, WWE got Bobby Portis. Triple H gave him a belt. AEW got Giannis. You know, that's a real shot across the bow here in this uh, war. <laughs> they're, they're they're breaking. They're they're. I mean, I mean, it was, Bucks it was a WWE house show versus an AEW TV show, but sure. I mean, yeah. you don't know how their schedules lined up. You don't know anything, but, it, sure. but it was, okay. inter- it was, well, it was also interesting because that was, um, WWE had done something in, uh, with, with, uh, I forgot what it was. So, something prior, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, Giannis, Ma- 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 Giannis was, was carrying the WWE championship 
right after they won. I mean, yeah. At well, the parade, whose side is he? So. Whose side is he on? That's that's what we don't know. It's a good so, question. No, the, the the match was uh match was fun. It's it's exactly what you kind of would have expected from these guys. It's the same kind of thing we're gonna get from the all out match. So kind of go in with those expectations. I think the cage match aspect helps because you don't have to deal with the tag team rules stuff. Not not quite there yet though, because we got more to talk about from yes. Dynamite. Just uh, yes, but, that, but Rampage was very good. I thought that yes, that match at Rampage was awesome. For Dynamite, we had the two tag teams in the Elite against the Lucha Bros and Jurassic Express. Pentagon, <laughs> I popped for this. He had a coup de gras into someone's taint, which I just thought was hysterical uh, early in the match. There were no rules as usual. Luchasaurus chokeslammed someone into a pile outside and then assisted Jungle Boy with a tornillo. Luchasaurus broke a fall after a magic killer. Phoenix hit the Bucks with a springing handstand double cutter but they caught a springboard splash and quickly hit the Meltzer driver for a mostly clean win. After the match, Luchasaurus ate a magic killer through a table that somehow was propped up outside. I have no idea how it got there. And we're going to pause here because stuff happened after this, but it has to do with another match. My two standard takeaways from this is that Rick Knox is absolutely awful and Ray (laughs) Phoenix is somehow not a human person. He's just, he's not a humanoid. I, I, I don't know what he is, He's an alien. I guess so. Um, I could More watch like the Statlander. Yeah, I guess. I could watch Phoenix wrestle air at this point, and I think it would be extremely entertaining. This was another total spot fest without any psychology, but man, it was entertaining in terms of the action in the ring. As far yeah, as... I, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, talk about it. No, I was... Yeah, it, it, it's, it's... Again, for the, it, it's what you expect out of them, the Young Bucks, the teams, the match. So you kind of just... You got to go in knowing that's what it's going to be. What do you think is going to happen at All Out when uh, Lucha Bros face the Young Bucks inside a steel cage? Well, it feels like it's set up for a title change. And, you know, it's it's a pay-per-view. You know, the Bucks beat them down. I'm going to go with Lucha Bros. Interesting. I could see the Lucha Bros winning given the steel cage stipulation. At the end of Dynamite, you know, we're going to talk about it later, but they brought the steel cage down and, and they showed the purpose of doing that was to show that there was a way for people to not get in. The problem is the way people didn't get in is because others were fending them off. And I think when you're in a tag team title match at a pay-per-view, you can't fend people off in that exact same way. Now, I, I don't think that there's going to be interference in terms of people getting into the ring. At the same time, I don't know what benefit there is putting the titles on the Lucha Bros in a rushed fashion. They just became number one contenders. There's not really a storyline for the match, considering the team that the Elite had interference against, the Young Bucks, I'm sorry, was Jurassic Express, not the Lucha Bros. And again, I gave you my prediction. I think it makes all the sense in the world that like four weeks from now, three weeks from now, however long, that at PNP, Santana and Ortiz, get that match against the Elite. Again, I keep calling them the Elite, the Young Bucks. Uh, they get the match against the Young Bucks inside Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, hometown guys in New York. It's a huge, massive pop if they win the titles there. So I'm going to say the Young Bucks retain the titles here. Yeah, I, I get it. That I mean, that that makes sense. I, I'm just, with, especially with the way AEW ended, and we know the Bucks love the Lucha Bros and title titles have kind of been 
the, the way they've handled titles has been interesting. They, they've all been pretty long reigns for, for every belt that they have, um, except for some TNT stuff. So, yeah, you would think, hey, if the Lucha Bros win, it's that going to set them up for a long reign. You know, I could see Santana and Ortiz taken from the Lucha Bros at that same show, too. Um, so that'd be know, a quick, versus, that would be a quick change. It would be the it'd be a quick it'd be a quick change. It'd be faces versus faces, but it'd be another spot fest that people would go crazy for. So I think it's possible. I'm going to stick with Lucha Bros. So I'll say two things. Number one, to your point, I just checked. This is the longest tag team championship reign in AEW history at two. Uh, it's going to be 300 days uh, by the time this podcast gets posted. The shortest ever is 63 days. Obviously, if the titles change at all out, and then if they change at the Queen show, like we're talking, that would be, you know, 21 days or 28 days or something like that. So it would be- How many cha- How many changes have there been? Three? three there teams? have been, so there was the original champions and then three title changes. Uh, well, the, who were the original champions? That Was that SCU? It was SCU. They had it for 83 yeah. days. Kenny yep. Omega and Hangman Page had it for 228 days. And then yep. FTR only had it for 63 days. I thought that oh, was so right. strange that yeah. they did that. It was so short. Um, but they won it at All Out and lost it at full gear. So the Bucks have had the titles since November 2020, nearly a full year at this point. So two months shy. So they've had it for 10 months, basically. Okay, let's keep going here. Um, the Women's Championship, Britt Baker defending against Chris Statlander. On Dynamite, Baker announced that Statlander will fight Jamie Hayter and Reba in a handicap match, two-on-one on Rampage this Friday. And that was the entire time that they got. I assume there's going to be an attack and a go home moment on Rampage, but to not get one on Dynamite is just massively disappointing. And again, it's indicative of how AEW treats the women's division as a whole. Brett Charles Millam at Brett underscore Millam, he wrote in, where's the juice and the time for Brett and Chris? Brett is one of the top stars in the company. Goofy few second backstage promo ain't going to cut it. What's even the story here? It's so disappointing. Chris, I think he's right. This is a big match. Britt Baker is massively popular. Mm-hmm. Chris Statlander is one of the most popular women in this division. And there's basically no storyline going into this. And they gave it no time on the Go Home Dynamite. I don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, so Statlander had a match on Dark, I think it was, which I watched this week. That should have been flipped with the Tay Conti match on Dynamite tonight. Like, they need to designate certain people for Dark. There's so much going back and forth that you can miss parts of stories. The ones that are the major stories, the Chris Statlanders, a number one contender for the Women's Championship, needs to be on Dynamite every single week advancing that story. Like, Like, you need to keep your key players on the show every single week and give them enough time. And And so... This is going to be a great match, I think. These two are really, really good and really, really popular. I just wish we had more time to to build up for them because they deserve it. Uh, They do. And again, a a quick go-home moment on a a rampage. It's an hour long, let's not forget. And they already have announced like four different segments for it. Of course, this is one of them, the handicap match. It just seems to me like like that's not enough, you know, for, for... your major women's storyline. And there's only two women's matches on the card because one of them is a battle royal. They decided not to do the men because there's so many other men's matches. So I'm just disappointed in the entire thing. I do think it's going to be a good match. I'm very excited 
Once the bell rings, I'm going to be excited. I'm just not anticipating it going into the show. I think it's going to be solid. Statlander is going to make Baker look really good. That's not saying Baker's bad, just that Statlander's a better wrestler than Baker is. So I do think it's going to be awesome. I also think it would be ridiculous to take the title off Britt Baker. So I have her retaining. Yep, my pick is also Britt Baker. All right, three more matches here. And for me, this is the triple main event of the show. We have Chris Jericho against MJF with the stipulation that if Jericho loses, he will retire from in-ring competition in AEW. Now, there were two parts to this on Dynamite that we're going to discuss. And Chris, before I get into it really quick, let me just say, this got the most build out of any match on Dynamite. This is the best built match for the entire pay-per-view. That is my opinion. I'm wondering if you agree with me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, video packages, interviews, and they, they were all on top of all of it. Dogs agree as well, so we are all on the same page. It's perfect. Yes, yes, yes. On Dynamite, MJF was interviewed by Tony Schiavone. MJF propped up Jericho's career, as usual, before comparing him to Muhammad Ali late in his career, not knowing he should have retired years earlier and then paying for it with his health. This was easily MJF's best promo, I think in months, at least in weeks. My only minor criticism is how AEW always promotes interviews only for it to be a single prompt and then a promo. I know they want to be different from WWE, but just let the guy cut a promo in the ring. Like, that's what we want to see. I don't need Tony Schiavone, like, getting into it, insulting him, and then MJF going on a rant. Schiavone yeah. was unnecessary. MJF was it, stealth. So uh, I'm going to get this in. We're, we're going to talk about JR in a second, too. And it, it applies the same. I, I, you're right. A guy like MJF, just put him in front of the crowd and he can get them booing the shit out of I him. I want the heat. I want to hear but, the heat. I want right. to feel it. What they do is Tony and Jim Ross are used as, uh, you know, playing off of them determines if you're a heel or a face. If, if you're a heel, you talk about how much you love them and how great they are and people cheer for that. And if you're a heel, you trash them. And, and, and that that's how you kind of get heat. But MJF doesn't need to do that. He can do he can just get out there and talk and have the crowd going nuts at him. So, like, I get why they do it and why they do it so often. I just I don't think I don't think MJF's a guy who needs it. For sure. Uh, and no, Jericho's not in Jericho's not either. Which neither of them need it. No. And Jericho got the interview with Jim Ross in the ring, at least, which was good. Jericho yes. noted that he started the main event run of his career in Chicago and JR recruited him. He didn't say WWE, but that's what he was referring to. He called MJF a piece of shit and put over his cunning. Jericho then said he set the stipulation for the match because if he didn't do it, he'd be complacent the rest of his career. He said if he fails, he'll retire from the ring gracefully, but the only way that happens is if MJF wrestles the best match of his career. Jericho then called him a prick and said he doesn't have what it takes. This was slightly closer to an actual interview, although it was really just one question from JR, but Jericho matched MJF's intensity and unsurprisingly met the quality of the overall promo. Like I said, when I was previewing this a moment ago, this is easily the best built match on the all out card. I'm pumped for it. I will say the result seems obvious with Chris Jericho winning. Now I know he has the injured arm. I know he's going to go on tour with Fozzie a little bit. I know he has the commentary role already on Rampage, I think all of those things give fans that little bit of doubt in their minds mm -hmm. and they say, hey, you know what? Maybe this is his last match. Like maybe this is actually going to happen this way. But given the fact that 
MJF won the fifth labor of Jericho, and they still booked this for the show, and they gave it the stipulation. It seems like the perfect opportunity for MJF to finally take a loss, and there's certainly no harm losing to Chris Jericho. I do find it interesting that neither the Pinnacle nor the Inner Circle have been involved in this recently. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Wardlow had the one match with Jericho, but other than that, we haven't seen Hager, we haven't seen Santana and Ortiz, FTR hasn't been involved. Obviously, one of them has been injured. And it's really just been Jericho and MJF. So if that's the match and if it's clean, I absolutely think Chris Jericho is going to win. Yeah, no, I think that's added to it to get it's gotten back to just Jericho and MJF here. And I think that's added to the intensity um, the, the promos have been good. I actually, this interview segment with Jim Ross was a bit different because it wasn't like they were standing in the ring next to each other, holding mic. They each had their own mics on opposite sides of the ring. I like they could it, both yeah. kind of just walk around. So it, so it basically, it was like Jim, Jim Ross kind of got it started, but then Jericho just kind of got to cut his own promo. And so I, so I think that worked. I think that format really worked. Um, Jericho told a good story and yes, my pick is the same. My pick is Jericho. I, I, I like the shirt that uh, MJF had last week. It's like Jerablo three uh, or zero me MJF three. It was, it was like the, the Greenberg Jericho shirts from back in the day in, in WCW. That was a nice little touch. I, I really like these guys. I'm glad they've gotten the build for this. Uh, I hope this is, I, I guess I hope this is the end of it. I don't think Jericho winning this last match, last match means he wins the feud, uh, but I think he gets the win here. One other thing I wrote down is that going back to the show being disjointed, they kept coming back to this various times throughout the show. Like after they did both promo and interview segments later on in the show, they just did a random video. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And it was like, (laughs) why, why are we not doing this earlier? And that's why it's like, it's so hard to focus on the show because they're just bouncing back and forth. Oh, by the way, here's what we're doing on next week's dynamite. Even though we have a pay-per-view coming, Here's what here's a match for next. Like you don't need to you don't need to plan everything so far in advance. Like keep things segmented. Like WWE is too segmented. Like they'll just one thing happens and then you never hear anything about it for, for two hours until later in the show. AEW is not segmented enough. Uh, you, it's it kind of just bounces around. So that Jericho video, which is really good, just it felt like it should have been tied to the interview they did. Yeah, no, totally agree. So we'll move on to, now I expect this match to be the main event of All Out. It is not the main event of the All Out Ultimate Preview here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, but it is the AEW Championship on the line, Kenny Omega fighting Christian Cage. Now we'll start with Rampage. So wait, so, so you don't think this will be the last match of the show? No, I do. do it's not going to be the main event of this show. I don't show. think it will be. I think CM Punk will be the main event. Okay. I, I happen so we'll to see. believe this. That, that's a prediction I'm making here. Okay. That's fine. Um... Nevertheless, so okay, fine. Then, then we have it in order. Then we're we're, we're nailing it. Yes. Uh, but we'll start yes. with Rampage, and then we'll go to Dynamite on Rampage. It was Kenny Omega and Brandon Cutler against Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian. They did the Mark Henry double interview segment thing. Omega said nothing. Christian put himself over for pinning Omega for the first time in a couple of years. I noted that by the way when that happened. I didn't understand why Cutler and not Michael Nakazawa was Omega's partner. Christian hit the kill switch on Cutler for the win. I am not purposely being short breaking this down. It was honestly a terrible match where nothing notable happened. This is bullshit, man. It was kind of bullshit. I will say Cutler was actually pretty entertaining. Like, like he's such a stooge, but he did it in a really entertaining way in this match. The problem is 
you're making this the main event of a show. Everybody knows who's going to win as a result. And it kind of takes away from, I'll get it. I'll say it now. Like Kenny Omega does not feel like a big deal. And I think that's he a problem with AEW. And you can like Kenny Omega has Nakazawa walking around with his belt. Roman Reigns has Paul Heyman walking around with his belt. Like they're just two completely different characters. And Kenny's trying to be kind of like the weaselly annoying Seth Rollins type of feel, basically. And I get it to an extent, and we'll get into how how Dynamite ended. But like in this match, like Kenny Omega's in a match on Rampage, and he does not wrestle every week. He does not wrestle every other week, really. It should be a big freaking deal when Kenny Omega is in the ring on TV. And it didn't feel like it for this match because he doesn't feel like a big deal. And I think part of that is because he's in a faction that has so many moving pieces going on. He's kind of getting overshadowed. And when it's just Kenny and Christian, he stands out more. But like in this tag match, when he's teamed with Brandon Cutler, of all people on that team, it just it felt weird. It was not good. I will say one thing, though. The main event of Rampage is the opening match because it's 10 o'clock. And I think the goal of AEW is to put their best foot forward to start that show and Mm -hmm. then give you two additional matches later in the show. It's been that way for all three editions of Rampage. Yes. And not to mention, I mean, there were last last week's Rampage. A lot of them are taped with Dynamite. They also taped Dark. So those fans have seen a lot of stuff. There was no crowd reaction when Christian pinned yeah color to win yeah, it was, was pretty silent, i mean right? they, they may have just been completely dead from everything going on but that adds to your point where the first match of rampage is the main event and i i think it's probably filmed after the main event of dynamite so the crowd's probably pretty hot then anyway too i just the truth is i just wouldn't have put this match on i wouldn't have booked this match no period i just wouldn't have done or, it. or or give kenny some other teammate to make it or just have like christian fight space. like two members of the elite, like Christian versus Nakazawa and Cutler, right? Where it's just like a squash. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I don't know about that. I'm but... just, I was just trying to think of something different. Okay. I can't <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, it's yeah. late. I can't always book the damn territory. Yeah, no, I know. But my point is don't do this, do something else. Uh, now over on dynamite, it was really interesting. There was a short video package 30 minutes into the show. It didn't really tell much of anything. And then with three minutes left after this eight man main event that we talked about earlier, Omega comes down. And Christian ran out to save Jungle Boy because they were all, the elite was beating all the faces down only to easily get outnumbered. Omega then forced the cage to be lowered. The explanation being that Don Callis was in the control room and the elite beat down the faces as they fended off others from getting inside the lowered cage with Omega talking shit on the mic. I'm not exaggerating. The crowd went mild. It was silent throughout the entire final I don't know, three minutes, at least final two minutes of the show. And man, it was honestly a terrible go-home segment. I did not understand why they did it this way. They showed on Twitter that after the show went off the air, because Tony Khan does not show up on TV, that Tony Khan came out and he was yelling at Kenny and he was angry that they lowered the cage and stuff like that. If If the show had ended that way, And again, I know Tony doesn't go on TV, but if he did, then okay, maybe there would have been something to this. That would have been that would have been a lot bigger action. Whoa, Tony Khan's on TV. That like that would have gotten people talking. Right, but instead it was just like blah. Like it was 
it was as womp womp as we've had to a closing segment of Dynamite, honestly, since that Dark Order attack on the New Year's Eve episode. Like that was the last time I remember a Dynamite ending with a thud when it wasn't supposed to. Like when it was supposed to have a big closing moment. This did not work. It did not sell the match. And the fact that Kenny Omega and Christian were only in front of the crowd for three minutes with basically all of those three minutes, Kenny like mumbling on the mic and Christian that, face down in yes. the ring. That is not how you build a potential main event for one of four pay-per-views a year. No, and you mentioned earlier, Kenny was talking the whole time. So I think fans, half of the, you're trying to listen to him. You know, what? what is he saying as opposed to reacting to what's going on? And he kept talking and talking and talking that, that the commentary had to talk over him to end the show and everything just felt chaotic and not chaotic in a good way, chaotic in a WCW type of way, because there's too many people involved here. You've got the, you've got the jungle boy and, uh, uh, Lucha Swords out there. I, I think the Lucha Bros were out there. I don't remember. It was hard to keep track of everybody because there's so much going on. Kenny's talking. You've got people swatting kendo sticks on the side of the cage. It was just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be paying attention to right now. That's in, like, if this was supposed to sell Kenny versus Christian, just, like, because you'd already done stuff with the other people, like, just end it with the two of them. This, like the, the this pro, sold like the pro, a war games match more than it did Kenny yeah, versus Christian. Yeah, th- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the, the Kenny, the Kenny Christian face to face, I think it was last week's Dynamite, was, was good. Like, the, it feels bigger when it's the two guys face to face not factions face to face when it's when it's a singles match that's what i'm saying about the mjf jericho stuff they got the factions out of there it's just about the two of them and it feels like a much bigger deal this was just chaotic and and again kenny omega does not come come off sounding like a big deal it doesn't even come off like a weasel it just kind of comes off as kind of kooky it it was the you know this match is going to be great. The The first match I had in the first rampage was great. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, this is a weird way to send them home is, is like, this is, this is, I, I criticized AW's production quite a bit because stuff doesn't, it, it feels less than when you're used to yeah. WWE's overproduction and yeah, WWE does it too much and you can not do exactly what they do, but they, they make their biggest people feel like a big deal. They make Bobby Lashley feel like a big deal. Roman Reigns feels like the biggest deal in the world when he's out there. And AEW doesn't. Everybody feels like the fl- the floor is high in AEW. They, they, they make nobodies feel like a big deal. F- feel like they matter, at least. Yes. But the top guys do not feel like top guys. They feel like upper middle guys. Everybody's kind of on this middle level and nobody is really like stands out as a bigger deal except for cm punk only cm punk they they, yeah the cm punk debut was one of the few times where aw had a big moment and everything felt like a big moment and they nailed it and they made it feel like a big moment they brought they just they don't do that enough and the end of this dynamite was an example they did but even on this dynamite when cm punk came out it was still a big deal and Nothing is going to match a United Center debut for CM Punk. It's not going to happen. Maybe if he wins the AEW title at all at a pay-per-view against a really big opponent, or if he fights someone that's insane and it's a great match, there are other moments that can be awesome with CM Punk. But even CM Punk's entrance tonight, it was 
like not one step down. It was like three steps down, right, from that United Center appearance. Well, yeah, you you can't match that. You cannot match of, it. I'm not saying they're that. kind of doing it. This is like the third time they've basically done it because yes. he did it at last week's Dynamite, Come and they're out, doing it again Friday, by the way. Yeah. So, it, it, and we'll get into what happened in this one, but. Yeah, because it was starting to trend in a direction where I was like, all right, this doesn't this isn't feeling like a big deal anymore because we're going to keep doing this. But yes, CM, the CM Punk entrance, he is he is someone who feels like a big deal. But there are times when it feels like he's kind of getting sucked into everything that's going on. Yeah. But anyway, back to Omega and Christian. I agree with what you said earlier. This match is going to bang. It's going to be an awesome match. May well be match of the night, though. I certainly think it's going to have... Uh, some competition in CM Punk and Darby Allen and maybe one or two other matches on the show. I don't see any way that they have Christian beat Kenny Omega <laughs> twice. Once no, was no. enough. They used a chair. There was interference. They've kind of made us forget about that a little bit over time. So credit to them for that. Kenny Omega has to win. It'll probably come with interference and a beatdown. I have another prediction after this. Um, but as far as the match goes, the two predictions are it's going to be great. And Kenny Omega retains the title. I hope Kenny wins clean. I I, I mean, like I hope you he gotta make too. him yeah. you gotta make him look strong. He's been doing too much of this weasel stuff. Let's remember Kenny the cleaner. You know, when he when he became the champion and turned heel, the point was okay, this dude's gonna feel like the biggest deal again. Have him win this match clean and get back to that. Christian does not need to be protected by an interference loss. Kenny is not going to get extra heat by an interference loss. It's going to make things feel convoluted again. Just let him win clean. Totally. And we will get to, oh, sorry. I was about to go to the main event, but I forgot to give you my additional prediction. Now, we know the rumors, folks, right? And and this prediction that I'm going to give you is certainly not unique in any particular way. Um, but the rumors are that there were two people who signed with AEW, one of them being CM Punk, the other one, being Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, on the independents and probably if and when he debuts in AEW, his name there as well. I look back, I think back to how John Moxley made his debut. And it came at the end of a world championship match. And I think we're going to get the exact same thing here. I think Kenny Omega beats Christian, whether it's clean or not. Uh, there's probably going to be a post-match attack, something like that. And I think... Brian Danielson makes his debut at All Out for a couple reasons. One, obviously, it's a pay-per-view card. You really want to deliver for your audience. There's no question about that. Two, I think they really want to strike while the iron is hot. CM Punk is the hottest iron they could put out there just because he hasn't been seen in seven years. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, is the second hottest iron because this guy main evented WrestleMania this year. (laughs) <laughs> and he's a, he's a massive, huge crowd favorite. And I think you could wait three weeks and you could debut him at the Arthur Ashe show in Queens. You absolutely could. It's going to be a huge crowd. He would get a major pop. It would be a great moment. But if you can combine CM Punk and Brian Danielson in a short, like two and a half week window, I think you do that. I think we see Brian Danielson at the conclusion of this match, whether it's in the main event or whether it's before the main event. Well, I'll say this. If it is, if he does come back, and honestly, I'd forgotten about that rumor. I've heard that. It's been out there. I generally just goes in one ear out the other because I try not to think of that stuff when I'm thinking about what's going on in wrestling because I want to be surprised. 
if he is showing up, then that will be the main event. Match. That's why. And I frankly, think it's the if main this event. is the main, frankly, if this is the main event match, it's going to be in the back of our heads, and you're going to be disappointed if we don't get it. I will. Uh, I'm going to so, put. I'm going to put it this way because I, I, that is a fair comment to make by you. I'm telling you right now, I will not be disappointed if this is in the main event and Brian Danielson does not debut, or even if Adam Cole does not debut. I know people. He's there's no reports about him him having signed anywhere in either location. But in in the scenario that he does, um, I would not be disappointed if either of them do not debut and the card ends and there's no debuts, there's no special attractions well, or anything like that. I'm you just know, you AW, the people who follow AEW, they're going to be expecting it if if CM Punk is not the main. If CM Maybe. Punk in Chicago is not your main event match, they're going to think, oh, something's going to happen at the end. We know, we all know, Kenny's going to win. We think something's going to happen at the end of this match. So if that happens, uh, if it if if this is the main event match. That's what I'm going to be thinking about nonstop. I'm just telling you that me personally, also, yeah. when we do our instant analysis Sunday night, as soon as the pay-per-view is over, I'm saying I will not degrade them if this no. is in the main event and neither of them no. debut. I won't. I'm just, it, 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 I'm going to be just concerned. To, to your point about doing this now and not waiting, the, the Arthur Ashe show makes perfect sense. It's a big spotlight moment. But your point of you just, you just got one shot and with CM Punk, Keep it going. Just keep throwing names at it because who knows what else is coming? Who knows if Adam Cole's coming? Who knows if Bray Wyatt's coming right. or something or whatever? Like, if they're just going to keep punching, 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 that is probably business wise the best move as opposed to, oh, the, that company that had CM Punk, I guess Daniel Bryan's there now. Like, maybe I'll check it out now. It's boom, boom. You, it, it's, you, you build that momentum. It makes it more must see. I agree that uh, I, I didn't at first. But I've come to terms with probably does make more sense if you have him to do this. And maybe maybe you schedule Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega for the Arthur Ashe show. If Brian Danielson, yeah, maybe you do. You're right. A couple of weeks later, if Brian Danielson debuts at all out, especially if it's against Kenny Omega, but if he shows up at all, the next Dynamite on Wednesday is going to pop in all time high rating. I guarantee yeah. that. OK, so that's why you do it. If you do it where it's a surprise that's hinted, like the CM Punk thing was hinted for the Arthur Ashe show, it probably still does a really good rating. I don't know if it if it cracks that ceiling, if it really just gives a flood of momentum to them. And that's why I believe this main events. That's why I believe Kenny Omega retains. And that's why I believe this is the opportunity they use to debut Daniel Bryan. We have one match left to talk about. CM Punk making his return to the squared circle after seven years out against Darby Allen. Uh, we'll talk about Rampage quick, then Dynamite, then the match itself. Hopefully we run through this. On Rampage, there was a video package with Punk saying Darby would be his favorite wrestler if he was a kid. Uh, it was a decent package, but AEW promised ahead of Rampage, we'd hear from both of them. And usually when they say that, that means we're going to get them in the ring or live or something like that. This hardly delivered on that. So I was actually disappointed given this was taped after Dynamite on Wednesday when both of them were in the building, they easily could have come out and cut a segment or just cut backstage promos against each other, run into each other backstage. There are so many other things they could have done, a sit-down interview. Instead, they just gave us a shitty video package despite promoting Punk for the show. I felt that was false advertising. Yeah, kind of. I mean, if you're in the crowd, it was the same show taped together with Dynamite, so you did already get Punk, but... Yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel what you're saying. Okay, then over on Dynamite, Daniel Garcia and 2.0 promised Darby 
They would hurt him in his scheduled match with Garcia on Rampage and keep him away from All Out. Obviously, we are taping this show before Rampage, but I think we all know, let's make the assumption together, Darby Allen beats him clean with the coffin drop. Just a guess. Uh, there was also a taped Darby promo about Punk actually being his favorite wrestler as a kid, which was a good callback to the Rampage promo. Then on the show, uh, in the second segment, they promoted CM Punk and they delivered it this time, unlike last time <laughs> they did that and he showed up in the fourth segment on the show. Now, yes. I assume that given Dynamite was in Chicago, the reaction was extremely loud. But AEW did a terrible job, I think, miking the crowd for this episode. It sounded extremely muted when he made his debut. I just don't believe that's how the crowd actually was. So I'm going to assume they were loud. Uh, he started making uh, a promise to the crowd. He said he was nervous for his return to the ring, but he did get a you still got it champ. And he was keeping going on with his promo when Garcia and 2.0 attacked. Then Darby and Sting made the save. They all hit their finishers one, two, three in succession. Darby, Sting, and then Punk. He hit the GTS. And then Punk and Darby stared each other down. The crowd was hot for this. And I thought it was the perfect go-home moment. It was smart to let Punk get some action, but not a match on Dynamite before All Out. But then, as we have this perfect moment, AEW gives Sting a microphone and he cuts a promo that I personally thought was entirely unnecessary just so he could say he wouldn't be at ringside. You know how you do that? At All Out, when you make your entrance with Darby Allen, you just shake his hand and go backstage and then you're not at ringside. You don't need to like announce you're not going to be there. I thought that was strange. It cooled down a really hot moment for no reason. Then Punk and Darby just stared each other down again. Ultimately, they didn't even need a go-home moment for this match, considering how highly anticipated it is. This definitely worked well. I just wish they ended it at the first stare down. Yeah, like I get what you're saying, but also like you've got CM Punk and Sting in the ring together. I, I get wanting to just do something, have an acknowledgement, have Sting talk to CM Punk in the ring. We've never gotten something like that. Who knows if you're really going to have a situation to do it again. Let's do it. It felt special to me. I think the the crowd was muted, but I think they understood like just like, OK, this is kind of cool. We got Sting acknowledging CM Punk talking about how much he likes him. And that, that was great. So it was fine. You know, when, when Punk started his promo, it's like I was saying earlier, it's like, is he really kind of just cutting the same promo for the third <laughs> time in a row here? Like, like, I don't want CM Punk. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Like, that's not the punk I want. That's not the punk. I don't think anybody really wants the punk we want is the guy who wants to come in and flip tables and kick ass and give a middle finger to the authority or something like that. So. I, so once once the, the, the brawl starts happening, we finally got that intensity. He's got that scowl back. And you're like, OK, this is CM Punk. This is CM Punk. And, you know, they have the, the stare down with Darby. And it is what it is. Me personally, Darby does nothing for me. But I, I will not deny that the crowds absolutely love him. Um, he, he just for me, I've not connected with him as a character. I think the most interesting stuff he's done was the team Taz feud because he was the little guy going up against the big guys and there was a natural story there. But other than that, I just feel like here's a guy who likes to skateboard. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm 32 now and I'm not 18. And so I, I don't connect with it as much, but um, I kind of, I, you, you, you say know, 32 it, like that's old. I'm older than you. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I'm just saying, I wish I like, was 32. Holy like, shit. I, I, like I, I get the you know, I was into the 
this whole skateboarding culture stuff at some point, which I'm not right now. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but he just, he doesn't cut promos. He just, he's up there with Sting and he's kind of mysterious, but he's not like supernatural mysterious. He's just kind of like a loner. And all right, to me, that doesn't scream like main event to me. So I don't know, but I, I think it's going to be a great match. I agree. Allen's going to win. Uh, oh, I didn't even give a rock. I didn't even. Is that you know, you did at the beginning. You, yeah, you said at the beginning. You said we all know Darby Allen's going to win clean with a with a coffin drop. No, no, no. On Rampage, we know he's going to win clean with a coffin drop. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry. He's fighting Danny Garcia, so I was like, oh, obviously we're taping before the Rampage match, but we all know how that one's going to end anyway. That's all I was saying. You oh, give okay, your, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Go ahead, though. Yeah, no, go go get your pick. The, the, That's fine. The pick is Darby Allen. I mean, Punk's here to talk about the young talent, and so he's going to put Darby Allen over my picks. Darby Allen, even even in a place like Chicago. So I'm I'm of a mixed mind about this whole match. Let me start off by saying that on the old podcast I was on, I used to tell the the host of that show all the time that he his ass was washed because he was older than me. Now I come to find out you're 32. I'm the washed asshole on this show. Oh my god, that makes me feel terrible. Anyway, uh, so let's get back to the match. So I'm of a mixed mind here. I think we're gonna see a heel turn in this match. The problem, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know which way it goes. I think there's a couple different ways. I think they're on one storyline, CM Punk beats Darby Allen. Darby gets pissed. Sting tries to console him. He attacks Sting. Like Sting comes down afterwards, you know, to try mm-hmm. to console him. He attacks Sting. That sets up a Darby Allen Sting feud that I think we all really want and are really excited about. On the other hand, I think there could be a scenario where you know, Darby Allen is the natural face. He's been the face uh, in AEW, one of the people who gets cheered the most. And CM Punk loses to Darby and gets really pissed. He thought he was better than this. And even though he's seven years off, he's coming back. And he turns heel on Darby and throws him into the post and chucks him out of the ring and he gets booed in Chicago, right? And that's such a, such a cool, different, unique moment that we wouldn't expect coming from AEW. I think something like that happens in this match. As far as what the result is, this is really tough because CM Punk said he returned to fight all these young guys, all this great talent that AEW has. He didn't say he came back to put them all over. And he, and he also didn't say that he came back with the intent of going after all of them one-on-one without any desire necessarily to challenge for the AEW championship. So I think AEW has a unique situation here, like I said. I don't think booking Darby Allen to win is the wrong move. I don't think booking CM Punk to win is the wrong move. Would it potentially hurt Darby, who's one of the hottest wrestlers in the company from a record perspective, from a um, win perspective, from a crowd response perspective, to lose to a guy who hasn't wrestled in seven years? I think maybe it would. At the same, I, I don't know about that. No, I'm saying just it would ding him. It wouldn't hurt him. It would just it would ding him a little bit. But would it would it hurt CM Punk to lose to Darby Allen? I think it would take a little bit of the shine off of his return, just because mm-hmm. he's freaking CM Punk. This is not John Cena coming back to fight Roman Reigns for a title in the main event. This is CM Punk in a non-title match in Chicago. So my pick is going to be CM Punk winning this match. But, and I'm glad that you and I disagree at least on two matches here on the card. But if Darby Allen wins, I would not be surprised at all. It would make all the sense in the world for Punk to say, I want this to be my first match. I want to lose and I want to build my way up here. But yeah, I do think Punk th- th- wins. This to me is, uh, 
two faces, you know, shake hands before the match. Crowd just wants to see these guys cheer both of them. You know, the hometown guy loses, but he's lifting Darby Allen's hand at the end. And that's what it is. Your idea of heel turns and whatever. I would love it. I th- there needs to be more animosity in whatever CM Punk is doing. Uh, so I would be all for that. It would give it would give me more interest in Darby Allen. I'd love that. I just think we're going to get a, you know, clean, celebra- good guy, good guy. Cele- of yeah, yeah. Celebration of these two guys having a match. And it is what it is. And that's fine. And honestly, if it's that. I may on the instant analysis say, hey, I kind of wish there was a little more to it, but I can't imagine being disappointed. It's CM Punk and Darby Allen wrestling. I agree yeah. with you that Darby, I, I had really high hopes for him when AEW started. He has not hit the right chords with me at all. Um, but people love him. It's because you're not 18, because you're not 18 skateboarding, you're washed. I know, but you but you're not as washed as me. And there's plenty of other people, I think, in our demographic who like him. So that's fine. That's mm-hmm. their prerogative. He just doesn't particularly do it for me. Orange Cassidy doesn't really. Jungle Boy does. Jungle Boy, I'm, I'm very excited whenever I see him wrestle. But these other two guys, I don't know. They, they're just not necessarily my bag. But I do think this I is like going to be a really good match. Orange, yeah, Orange Cassidy works for me because he's not He's not in the main I mean, he did the Jericho stuff, but he's not in the main event. He fought for the title recently. He did, I know. He, he did. But <laughs> it worked in a way that like gave him more crowd reception. Like, like he's not palling around with Sting. I do think the Sting ever. thing has run the, its course with Darby. That's what I would really love to see Darby Allen turn heel. I think it would be awesome. I'd love it. I would love that. Okay, so that is our ultimate preview of AEW All Out, Chris, which means we have one thing left to do, which is set our expectations and give you our pre-show grades for AEW All Out. As always, I will let you go first. Tell me what you're expecting from this show. I'm expecting a ton of really good wrestling matches. This feels like kind of like the WrestleMania build or the SummerSlam build where it's like, all right, we know these matches are going to bang. It's just been a really poor build for a lot of them, which has been kind of WWE's problem for a while. I would have loved more time with a lot of these matches, but I think Miro Eddie Kingston is going to be great. The, the Young Bucks Lucha Brothers is going to be great. Britt Baker, Chris Statland is going to be great. Kenny versus Christian will be great. CM Punk is CM Punk. Paul White versus QT Marshall has to happen. We won't like that. But almost every match on this card, I'm looking forward to. So, I, I mean, I'm going to give an A minus, I think, expectation going into it. Wow. A higher pre-show grade than I think you gave SummerSlam. Which No, I, think- I gave SummerSlam an A minus too. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. Did I give it an A? No, I never would. No, you gave it a B plus. I gave it a B plus. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to stick with my same grade, uh, B plus here. I... I'm very excited about the CM Punk match. I think the Kenny Omega match against Christian is going to be really good. I know that Bucks and Lucha Bros is going to be a spot fest that Meltzer will probably give five stars, but I won't because I don't like that stuff as much. Uh, Jericho MJF is what I am anticipating most on the entire card. But the lower card of this show, it's just not doing it for me. And I can't go and be in the A range for a show that has so many matches that I feel... I'm not excited about or don't have a good enough build. So I'm going to go B plus. I would go B. The plus is because I have an expectation that Brian Danielson is going to show up. Again, I'm not going to be disappointed if he doesn't. That's just part of my expectation. So that's how I am going in. I'm a B plus. You're an A minus. That's really good pre-show grades. So clearly we're both really anticipating all out. I will tell you that the last few AEW pay-per-views 
at least to me, have been pretty disappointing. I think the build for this one, as you said, has been disappointing. I think it has the opportunity, though, to over-deliver once we get to the pay-per-view. Right. And, well, you know, one thing with some of the with the AEW pay-per-views, especially during the pandemic, was they dragged. They got long. And that was at a time when WWE was doing pay-per-views of less than 33 hours. So this is a 10-match card, nine if you take out the pre-show match. I'm curious. One of, and one of them is a battle royal. So... <laughs> Uh, and it starts at eight on a Sunday. I mean, yeah. So I'm curious to see how much time everything gets. If this is a four hour plus show, you know, I'm probably not going to be too happy about it. But can you imagine um, if it's we'll and I, 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 you're lucky that you're in central time. But can you imagine if it's God, if God it's Star. midnight or 1230 Eastern and we have to do the instant analysis, which will take an hour. And then I have to edit it and then I have to publish it. I mean, we're talking one of those nights where I just am fuming mad by the end of the night having nothing to do with the show i'm about to watch you know what i mean that's gonna be tough don't don't love that start time yeah it's tough so anyway that is the aew all out ultimate preview we broke down dynamite we talked about rampage and we went through nxt as well an absolutely loaded show for you today a reminder though about what is coming up here on the getting over wrestling podcast On Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, we will be live on Twitter Spaces. Follow us at Getting Overcast. We will have a 30-minute show that will end before the AEW All Out buy-in begins. You guys will hear our last second predictions and thoughts for the card. We'll have a reaction to anything that happened on Rampage, and you all will be able to participate in the show by asking questions and sharing your thoughts about AEW All Out. So do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Set a reminder when we uh, send out the announcement for that show and be sure to tune in at 6.30. And then Sunday night, as soon as AEW All Out goes off the air, we will have instant analysis of the pay-per-view in podcast form. As always, we will hit you that night very early. Really, Monday morning is technically what it will be. But the show will be out before you wake up. Um or before you go to sleep, depending how crazy you are. And I can't wait for you all to join us for that as well. And of course, we will be back on Tuesday with our normal WWE show talking SmackDown and Raw. So that's it for today. We broke down all that AEW stuff, all that NXT stuff. A reminder one more time that getting over. So please do not forget... To be marks for the Silver King for Vintage, leave that five-star rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. So for Vintage Chris Vanini, this is one more time the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, leaving you with three final words. Bye for now.